They say ill things of the last days of autumn, but I, friend reader, not a one will hear. Her quiet beauty touches me as surely as does a wistful child to no one dear. Pushkin. October 11th, 1920, Ellis Island. Dear Tova, Mama came today. My wonderful, beautiful Mama. She hugged me and kissed me, and I smelled onion on her and chicken and celery and yeast. I was so happy. I thought my heart had broken open like an egg. Mama, I kept repeating, afraid I would blink and she would no longer be sitting beside me on my cot. Mama brought out a tiny honey cake. For your 13th birthday, she said in Yiddish. She watched me eat it, the whole thing, as we sat close together on the edge of my bed. I licked each finger. It tasted as good as I remembered. Mama's honey cake. Tell me about Antwerp, Mama said. I told her about Sister Katrina and the lady from the heist and Giselle in the park. I told her about the awful storm at sea and how our ship needed towing to Ellis Island. What about your hair? Mama asked. Is it really so bad? Mama led me over to the window and took off my kerchief. She examined my scalp. I felt envy for the long black hair coiled around her ears. She sighed and rested her hand on my naked head. Please, I said, removing her hand. I carefully tied the kerchief back on. I wish your bubby were here, Mama said. Your bubby would know what to do. I wish she were here too, Mama, I answered back. I wish you were here too, Tova, but now I don't know if that is such a good idea. You have to be perfect to come to America. I have this bald head and you, you have a crooked back. We are not perfect. We are not welcome. These Americans, I told Mama, they don't make any sense. They say they are holding me because I am too contagious to come into their country, but they allow you to visit me. If I'm contagious, won't I make you sick? And if I make you sick, won't I make everyone else? Won't you make everyone else in America sick? What's the difference if I go to New York or you come here? Either way, if I am really contagious, somebody is going to get sick. I'm wondering how clever these Americans really are. Hush, Revka, Mama said. Somebody could hear you. I looked around. Even if they did speak Yiddish, no one around us was listening. Why is such a great country like America afraid of a little Jewish girl just because she doesn't have any hair on her head, I said. The truth, Mama, is that they're afraid I will never find a husband, as if I need hair to get married. Maybe we could rub something in to make your hair grow, Mama said. I wish Papa could come. He would have some ideas. It's no good, Mama, I said. Not even Papa could get my hair to grow. I am bald. But Rivka, Mama said. Then she didn't say any more. What could she say? I am bald. Don't worry, Mama. Mama never was very good with doctoring. Always Papa nursed us through sickness. Are you eating right? Mama wanted to know. The food is very good here. I didn't tell her about all the chocolate and ice cream I ate in Belgium. 
Dr. Askin came in and said hello to Mama. Then he joined Mr. Fargate for case reviews. I was telling Mama about the market in Antwerp when my little Polish baby began crying. Excuse me, please, Mama, I said. I left to Mama sitting on my bed. I didn't want to leave her. I didn't want to lose my lose one precious, precious second with her, but the baby needed me. As soon as I settled the baby down, a fevered woman asked for water. Then there were other chores that needed doing, things I helped the nurses with every day. I kept looking over to Mama, afraid she would disappear. She didn't disappear. She sat and watched. Just like Papa, she said when I finally got back to her. And the way you speak English, Rifka. You've always been good with languages. You were talking before you could walk. But I never imagined you could learn English so quickly. I have been here a year. I hardly speak a word. I could help you, I told Mama, if they allow me to stay. Who is the baby, Mama asked. I took Mama's hand and led her over to the crib. I said, she is Polish. Her mother died of the typhus. The baby has the typhus too. See? I showed Mama the rash. I helped take care of her. Ilya, I noticed, kept his distance the whole of Mama's visit. Usually he clung to me like a drop of sap. He was even jealous when I held the baby. Maybe Ilya understood something about Mama. Toba, Toba, you would need you would be accepting of my friendship with Ilya. Uncle Avram has Russian friends, not Jewish friends, but Mama and Papa, they wouldn't like it at all. Mama can be more accepting of the Polish baby, a baby that speaks no language. It could be a Jewish baby after all. There are many Polish Jews. But Ilya is no Jew. He is a Russian peasant, and Mama and Papa have grown to hate everything Russian. I've been thinking, Tova, to turn my back on the part of me that is Russian is impossible. I am Jewish, yes, but I am Russian, too. I am both Jewish and Russian, and I am also more. I am so much more. When I read the poetry of Pushkin to Ilya and watch his face, I can see the words rocking him the way they do me. We both ache for something we have lost. Yet he aches in a way I, that I cannot imagine. At least I still have family in Russia and in America. I have family who love me and want me. Even Saul wants me in his own way. For Ilya... There is no family. In America, there is an uncle, an uncle who works three jobs and wants Ilya not because he loves him, but because of the money Ilya can earn. Not since I've been here has the uncle come to visit Ilya. Not once. Is this the way family behaves? Poor Ilya. He cannot get back his old life in Russia. Ilya's mother became widowed when he was two. When she remarried, her new husband did not want Ilya. That is why she sent him to America. Ilya can't go back, at least not to his own people. Maybe you and Hannah would take him in. Could you raise a little Russian boy? No, 
Of course not. You would tell me the wisest thing to do would be to help Ilya prepare for America. He has no choice but to come into America. He's a smart boy. He knows the poetry of Pushkin by heart. I have read to him so often that now he reads passages himself. I tell him, Ilya, you should be learning to read English, not Russian. You are going to be an American. He looks at me with those stormy eyes. Sometimes he looks so lost. We are trapped between two worlds, Ilya and I. Ilya wants to go back to Russia, to the only place he has ever known. I want to enter America, yet neither of us can leave this island. Ilya is eating, and the circles lessen under his eyes, but still he is thin and frail. I think the doctors and Mr. Fargate are more concerned with his mind, though, than with his health. They think Ilya is a simpleton because he won't take food for himself. I am still putting food on his plate, and he never talks to anyone else. He talks only to me when no one is listening. But he is very smart, Tova. Any seven-year-old who can read Pushkin is one clever boy. I must help him see that his life is here in America, not back in Russia. How do I do that? Tova, you would know. My dear cousin, I miss you like soup misses salt. Shalom, Rivka.